list on Cork's Red FM. And Johnny Sexton's declared himself fit for Sunday's Six Nations clash against Wales in Cardiff. Can I do that? Can I just declare myself fit? <laughs> Co- contrary to all popular evidence. Finally, Ray Foley has declared himself fit ahead of Sunday's game against Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around with the inside roll of the kitchen towel. <laughs> I'm fit. I'm fit. Just to let you know, everybody, I'm fit. <laughs> <laughs> that man's deluded. <laughs> with Ray Foley. Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. He certainly is deluded. Ray's back tomorrow morning from 6 on Cork's Red FM. But for now, you're listening to The Big Red Bench. Roy here with you until 7 p.m. And a busy show coming your way over the next 60 minutes. Reaction to come from Cardiff after Ireland. 14-man Ireland at that. Lose to Wales in the Six Nations opener. 21-16. We'll be talking to former Ireland and Monster Scrum half Tommaso Larry about that in just a little bit. Also, to come on the show tonight, we're going to be previewing Super Bowl 55 tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're talking to Cork Admirals head coach Alan Lamastney. We're also going to hear from Cork footballer Rory Dean after Sports Direct announced their new sponsorship of Cork GA for the next five years. I'm going to keep up to date now on the Premier League action as well. But for now, you're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Just as I said, that Man City have gone 2-1 up away to Liverpool Gunderhand with the goal for City. A tap-in from close range. Some nice work from City, some poor defensive work from Liverpool. We'll get you in and report on that one in just a bit. Shane Pennington's at Anfield. First, though, to Cardiff and Hamish Stewart. Hung on to win this one by 21 points to 16, but it was a stroke of luck at the end. Ireland were pushing for that match-winning try, and they had a penalty, which Billy Burns, the outside half, kicked to the corner, but he missed, got the wrong side of the corner flag, and the ball went dead, and Wales escaped with a victory. Second-half tries by George North and Louis Rees Summit were just enough against the 14 men of Ireland after the sending off of Peter Omani, the flanker. So, well, Ireland, pretty more, more, the, more the impressive team, but Wales getting the win. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting game to discuss that one. We'll be joined on the line by Tomas Leary in just a little bit. Lots of talk about Peter Mahoney's red card. Billy Burns, that kick at the death. Well, he'll be thinking about that one for the rest of his career. But a frustrating day for Ireland over in Cardiff. In the Premier League, as I mentioned, Liverpool are trailing Manchester City by two goals to one at Anfield. Uh, 74 minutes gone on the clock there in today's uh, big game in the Premier League. And it was uh, City who went ahead uh, in that game before Mo Salah equalised from the penalty spot. And uh, Gondelham with his second goal of the game there to put uh, City ahead. And that's how things stand at the moment. Earlier on today... It uh, finished in victory for Tottenham as they defeated West Brom by two goals to nil. Andrew Chill was watching that one. Spurs 2, Albion nil. Harry Kane surprisingly declared fit to start. Fluffed four chances in the first half. With four minutes into the second, he stroked home after Hoiberg's precise pass put him up. Son quickly doubled the lead after a penetrating run and pass by Lucas Moura. Albion's Diania forced just one save from Luke Loris in 
in the Spurs goal all match. Albion looked a lost cause. Spurs season back on track. Spurs 2, Albion 0. Scores between Wolves and Leicester today. Alex Winter was at Molyneux. Full time, it's finished. Wolves 0, Leicester City 0 at Molyneux. Both sides went for the win and both sides did have the chances to finish this game off. The best Wolves chance fell to Silva in the 77th minute. The ball fell to him. Everybody thought he was offside. He wasn't. He had the chance to put it past Schmeichel, but Schmeichel just got the tip of his foot to it to glance it wide of the post. In the dying seconds of the game, Jamie Vardy, who'd come on as sub in the 60th minute, just got in a glancing header. It flashed wide of the upright. It's finished. Wolves nil, Leicester nil. One more game tonight, Sheffield United and Chelsea. Dave Easton's at Bramall Lane. A chance for Chelsea to make it into the top five under new boss Thomas Tuchel. It's also a chance for Sheffield United to lift themselves off the bottom of the league and pass that 11-point mark set by Derby. Both sides look to be without Chelsea centre-back. Thiago Silva has a thigh strain, while Ethan Ampadu can't face his parent club. After wins over Manchester United and West Brom in recent weeks and five wins out of seven in all, can the Blades now blunt the Blues? It's Sheffield United against Chelsea at Bramall Lane. And while Dave Eastman was reporting there, Man City have gone 3-1 up on Liverpool. More um, poor defensive work from Liverpool. Uh, mistake from Alisson. Hands the ball to the player who crosses for Raheem Sterling to head home from a yard out. Not even I would have missed that goal. But uh, City are 3-1 up uh, at Liverpool. 76 minutes on the clock. We'll get your report on that one as soon as we can. Now, elsewhere today in women's football, Cork's Megan Connolly ending Chelsea's 33-game unbeaten run today. Connolly scoring direct from a corner as Brighton Hove Albion defeated the reigning league champions by two goals to one. Connolly set up the first for Albion as her corner from the head of Aileen Whelan as well so great day for the Cork one elsewhere in the Scottish Premiership Rangers dropping points this afternoon as they drew one all the way to bottom side Hamilton they're still 21 points clear Celtic though at the top of the table Roy McIlroy 5 under par through 4 holes of his final round at the PGA Tours Waste Management Phoenix Open that leaves the Northern Ireland native 13 shots off the pace as being shared by the Americans Jordan Spieth and Xander Schauffele Elsewhere in racing, the William Mullins trained Kemboy with his nephew Danny on board won the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup on day two of the Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown today. The favourite Manella Indo could only manage fourth behind the storyteller and Delta work. And what was a great day for Mullins, the grade one Chanel Farmer novice hurdle was won by his appreciated with Paul Townend on board going off as favourite. And the other grade one contest of the day, Paddersall's Ireland's Spring Juvenile Hurdle, claimed by the Gordon Elliott trained Qualixius, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The four-year-old was guided to victory by Jack Kennedy after going off four to six on favourite. And the Super Bowl tonight, eleven thirty kickoff Irish time. Tom Brady playing in his record tenth Super Bowl. His Tampa Bay Buccaneers side going up against the Kansas City Chiefs tonight in an eagerly anticipated showdown that gets underway at half past eleven Irish time. Well, it's a report in Manfred. We'll get you that in a bit. As uh, Liverpool trail Manchester City by three goals to one, and that's surely Liverpool's title uh, defence over and done with if that result stays the same way. But we are going to talk rugby to kick off the show tonight. Tomorrow, so Leary is on the line. We're going to talk to the former Ireland and Munster and Lions scrum half in just a second. First, though, going to hear from Ireland head coach Andy Farrell talking to the BBC after today's game. And first, talking about Peter Mahoney's red card. We've seen red cards for that in the past, haven't we? You know, and uh, I think we've seen one or two yellow cards as well for other incidents that, that uh, didn't quite go our way. But that's that's another story. How frustrated are you with Peter Omani? Because you know it's such a big issue in the game. Oh, the players big, are aware of it. Yeah. You cannot go lead with an arm into somebody's head. Look, 
he's been around enough uh, a long time and he's uh, he's gutted in there, you know. Um, he's uh, he's been a pretty stalwart player for us in, in the past, you know, and he'll can continue to do so in the future. You responded really well, 13 unanswered points. What was the main message within the group in terms of coping with 14? No, the strategy was good. We had a plan. Uh, we, we understood how we wanted to play. Um, regarding that plan with 14 men, I thought we dealt with that well. It wasn't that that lost us the game, was it? It was um, you know, one or two uh, silly penalties, one or two um, errors on our point, a missing touch, as you say, a couple of times as well. Um, it's those type of things that lost us the game in the end but at the end of the day I thought it was an unbelievably brave effort from our boys you know to, to take it to the death and you know, hopefully if that, if that ball did go in touch we're in with a chance who knows you know but uh, a valiant effort but obviously not good enough today Alright that was head coach Andy Farrell speaking to the BBC after today's game delighted to be joined by our good friend former Ireland and Monster Scrum half Tomás Larry Tomás how are you sir? I'm fantastic. Can you hear yourself, Rory? Good, good. Can't complain, can't complain. Before we get into the match, how's lockdown been treating you? It's been a strange old year. Uh, it is. Like, I think, you know, everyone at this stage is just coping, really. Um, uh-huh. You know, similar to yourself there with two smallies at home. Um, you know, trying to trying to keep them entertained and, <laughs> and busy. Um, it's tough, like, and then obviously working away as well. But look... Um, Hopefully, you know, there's a bit of an uh, end in sight if we can kind of look towards the summer. But um, yeah, look, I'm surviving, same as the rest of us. All right, just on today's game, Moss, two major talking points from an Ireland perspective. We'll get to Billy Burns in a bit, but Peter Manny's red card changed that game. It was There was no question about it. It was a red card, first off. Yeah, it was a red card. Look, um, look, I, I don't think Peter would have gone intentionally into to target him, but look, he's gone in very aggressively at the rock and it was reckless um, and obviously made contact um, with with the with the head area, so look, definite red card, and had a major impact on the game. Um, obviously, our their team rebounded for the for the following twenty minutes of the first half, and, and were really really impressive. Um, but I guess the the energy that they expended, um, you know, through that kind of mm-hmm. first half um, with fourteen men, kind of had its toll and it kind of told in the second half. No, Peter Mahoney's not a dirty player, obviously, but he was fired up for that game. You could see that when the, the way he was belting out Ireland's call just before the game started. So he was really intense and really fired up going into that game. He was. Look, everyone kind of knows at this stage, uh, Peter's passion is, is one of his key key strengths and components. And look, he, that, that's how he leads uh, with Munster and with Ireland. You know, he's captain Munster, Ireland and the Lions. Um, and the battle of the breakdown is key at every game. And teams have to have to be aggressive. Um, and if, look, if the Irish team were lacking aggression and lacking physicality at the breakdown, um, you know, supporters, fans, everyone would be giving out about it. So, look, it's a fine line. And unfortunately, um, you know, Peter found himself on the wrong side of that line. So, look, I don't think he's gonna gonna change too much about that that element mm. of passion and physicality in his game. But obviously, he needs to, I suppose, have a duty of care um, to his fellow players. Probably needs to be a bit more, mm. a bit more careful. And look, he learned from that. However, the 26 minutes after he got sent off in the remaining part of the first half, Arnhem were excellent. They were the better team, even with 14 men. Yeah, they were really impressive, and I think you could see. Um, elements of the game plan that that Andy Farrell is trying to install in, in this Irish team. Uh, you know, for, from a score half point of view, I noticed you know there was multiple uh, you know people passing the ball. Like before Peter got sent off, he he, he was passing from nine. See the stander I saw had a couple of scrum half passes as well. So they're trying to move the ball. They got a bit more width, particularly in the 
when they got closer to the opposition kind of 22 um, you saw them spreading the, the Welsh defence and, and getting little holes so yeah it was a very very kind of uh, encouraging signs and obviously Robbie Henshaw's try was, uh, was particularly good I know he kind of went back in the blind side and beat a couple of men before offloading to to Fender Fleer and obviously Ty Byrne then who had a great game mm. uh, finished it so yeah, very very encouraging signs and look hopefully you know, if we had um, 15 men you know um, we could have uh, maybe put the Welsh team under more and more pressure so look encouraging signs and uh, there's positives to take from the performance mm. It was always going to be the case though, that they were going to, to tire and that Wales are going to apply the pressure and they did that in the second half Wales came out from the half time break just looking like a different team they did, and I think um, Royal Ireland were kind of excellent for that. Um, maybe twenty-six minutes, we said, um, after Peter Manny was sent off in the first half, Ireland did probably contribute. Um, you know, Keith Earls was a big tackle, uh, the, one of the Welsh wingers in the air, and then kind of kicked out in the full, giving them field position to to get into our twenty-two. Uh, and then I suppose we we, we our defence was good, and we won the ball back. And we had a scrum where we kind of exited Ringrose, beat the first man, and tried to offload. Um, Connor Murray, uh, he he knocked it on, and um, and then the Welsh team after a couple of phases, um, we saw George North score and capitalise on, on those mistakes. So while Wales were improved, I think a lot of it was down to Ireland's error count as well, and they'll be looking to to eradicate those errors and I suppose control those mistakes this time next week uh, against France. So yeah, I think the I suppose the the energy that they expended in the first half with fourteen men kind of told and and. Like, like the kid has made some uncharacteristic mm. mistakes yeah and as you say like just uncharacteristic, mystic, uncharacteristic mistakes but a lot of mistakes in that second half like kicking out on the full and missing touch that kind of thing and some soft penalties as well Exactly, and look, I know um, there'll be a lot of talk and a lot of uh, criticism of Billy Burns, um, you know, for the, for the missed kick at the end, and, and look, rightly so. Look, if you're for playing in that pivotal half position in Ireland, uh, you know, they're the plays you have to make, and you know that's the, that's the pressure that you have to have to be able to deal with. Um, he, he also kind of threw a very bad pass um, to the ground after Ireland had broken up the blind side and, and kind of lost the momentum um, in an earlier phase of play. So, look, it, it wasn't probably his best 15-20 minutes for Ireland. Um, likewise, look, Sexton also missed a, a kick to touch earlier in the, in the in the second half as well, which alleviated uh, pressure on Wales. So, um, I think Ireland's probably kicking game can improve. Um, I thought low kick kicked well, um, to be fair to him, to exit. Um, but, look, on, on, on the flip side, then, look, he probably got caught a little bit tight for that George North try too. So, look, there is a lot of, I suppose, elements that Ireland can control and Billy Burns kicking to touch. Um, you know, he'll improve, he'll learn from that and he'll probably learn to deal with, with the pressure of being um, uh, Ireland's out half. You can only imagine the feeling that Billy Burns had, though, when that ball left his foot and he realised that's not going to find touch. Yeah, look, I guess... You know, he he's going to he's trying to put his 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 fall pack five meters from the yeah. from the Welsh line and give them every opportunity to to you know to maul the Welsh team over. Um and look he's pushing the envelope there. He could have probably taken the easy option and kicked it ten ten meters from, from the Welsh line. Um and then if Ireland didn't score, maybe he'd been criticized for, for not going for it. So it's uh look it's like I said, when you when you're playing international rugby and you're in that position, you have to embrace that pressure. And look, obviously he'd be gutted, um, you know, after the game for 
for failing to you know execute for failing to to kick the, the Irish team into the corner and give them at least a shot. So look, it's a, it's probably a harsh lesson lesson for him. Um, I think his teammates will obviously come up and support him. Um, but look, it's it's just a kind of steep learning curve uh, for him playing international rugby, um, particularly when their uh, lineouts seem to be, uh, I suppose, showing the effects of having uh, Paul O'Connell at the helm. And you know they were very very competitive on the Welsh ball and their own their own ball. They looked a lot lot safer and a lot more assured. Don't have too long now to lick their wounds, I suppose, ahead of uh, next week's game with Wales. From your own experience, Tomás, uh, being with Irish camps, when you lose a game in the Six Nations, I mean, like, how do you pick yourselves back up? I mean, what's the process like from here on out now until next week? I suppose, look, the, the main thing from now would be for those lads to, to just recover. Um, so they'll, they'll be doing the ice baths in the, in the Principality in the Millennium Stadium already. Um, they'll obviously be um, just recovering as best they can. Tomorrow will be a recovery day, active recovery once they get back into camp. So, mm. you know, there'll be massages, stretching, going to the pool, uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just recovery from then. And I suppose tomorrow as well, we'll have obviously the, the review of the game. Um, so look, they might do an element of that tomorrow they might just leave it till, till Tuesday to give the players a bit, bit of uh, I suppose a mental break um, then it's a case of analysing the, the game obviously uh, focusing on elements that, that they can improve uh, the controllables that you know the, that, that they let the Welsh team back in but also focusing on the positives of the game so they're kind of reinstilling that confidence um, within the team um, and then obviously looking forward to the French challenge um, so look as Rugby players, as sports people, you you know you're going to lose, and that's part of life. You just have to bounce back and react to it. So that's where you see the kind of character of the players, and um, look, all the players will, will will want to get straight back on the bike and hope that they're selected to, for next week for the French game. And look, if if you can get a victory over over France, uh, then you know you'll have France having lost the game, England having lost the game, uh, obviously Wales may may or may not have lost the game, so the, the championship will be back wide open, so while the Grand Slam is gone, the championship is very much um, still up for grabs. And it's France coming to town next week, they had a 50 points to 10 win over Italy, now Italy were poor, France were good, but probably can't read too much into that game yesterday, can we? Not too much, but look, France's um, form over the last 12, 18 months has been impressive. Um, you see that, look, uh, you know, the bond, the, the, their nine is, is probably the best nine in the world at the moment, but the likes of Teddy Thomas, you know, in the back three, he's lethal, but I think up front is where they've got their act together, really. Um, uh, the likes of Livion at number eight there is unbelievable, and they've got a really, really good front row. Um, so, look, they've, they're a well coached team now, and even the, the impact that Sean Edwards' as defensive coach has on them, that's very noticeable. So, look, while we all know about the dangers they possess in their attack, their defence has has kind of become a real tight-knit unit and an area of strength for them too. So mm. they're becoming a harder team to, to score tries against and to break down. So, um, yeah, they can't read too much into the Italy game, but, you know, they've illustrated over the last 12 months um, that they're a really, really uh, top-level team and a really physical team that can punish you um, with the skill level that they have too. So it's going to be a very, very difficult challenge for Ireland to, to I suppose, to bounce back from the Welsh team. And if you're Andy Farrell, what changes would you be looking at to make for next Sunday? Obviously, Peter Mann is going to be missing. Johnny Sexton could be out after taking that knock to the head. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of difficult to analyse it straight away. I, you know, I thought... Um, I suppose the centres were particularly impressive so that's a, that's a benefit um, interesting to see does he 
does he stick with Billy Burns now after the game? Mm. Or if 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 he felt he was good enough to to, to I suppose to be Sex or Sexton's uh, backup for this game, I, I would imagine that the coach should um, have the strength of character to you know to give him the opportunity to make a couple of mistakes and bounce back. So I would imagine that he'll he'll give Burns the opportunity. Um, maybe if Sexton isn't starting and and and, and see how he goes. Um, and aside from that back row, um, look, um, the likes. I suppose you could always move Tyg Byrne into the into the second row, and uh, and and then start with a, a different second row combination. I thought Byrne was unbelievable today. Uh, I don't know what the injury situation is with Doris. Um I know he was getting uh, uh, HIA assessment too. So look, obviously, if if any of the Leinster back rows are are back fit, they'll come into the mix too. I'm not sure whether. Uh, Coombs is has, has progressed enough to, to be thrown in against the French as of yet, but um, it would be fantastic if he maybe kicked onto the panel. But look, there won't be too many changes to the to the team. Um, look, Keith Earls unfortunately might be, um, I suppose, might 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 um, have to come off the the team if they decide that they're going to make a change to back three and bring Lamar in. Uh, but just for the mistakes he made in the second half, he might be punished. But be interested how many changes are made, but I don't think we'll make too many because of the Irish performance overall. All right, Tomas. Uh, pleasure talking to you as always, buddy, and I will chat to you soon. Thanks for talking to us today. Thanks, Ori. Cheers. That was a pleasure talking to our good friend Tomas O'Leary and uh, defeat for Ireland today. Uh, 21-16 is how it finished of course France to come uh, next weekend it's nearly over at Anfield and what a scoring this is it's Liverpool 1 Manchester City 4 and Phil Foden's just got in on the act with possibly the best goal of the afternoon he picked up the ball just on the edge of the box to the right hand side of the penalty area cut in on his left foot and absolutely smashed it high into the left hand top corner giving Alisson no chance whatsoever it's Liverpool 1 Manchester City 4 literally just waiting on the full time whistle to go out there at Anfield but what a result uh, that will be um, in the Premier League title race Man City looking almost untouchable at the moment the 5 points clear of Manchester United with a game in hand they are 10 points clear of Liverpool with a game in hand so you'd imagine that's Liverpool's title race done and dusted City looking good um, so it looks like it's only a matter of time before City are uh, Premier League champions but can Manchester United mount uh, a challenge maybe not but you never know you never know still a couple of twists and turns still a long way to go but it's looking like City's title and uh, just waiting for the referee to blow a full time whistle and he has done Liverpool 1 Man City 4 is how that has finished there at Anfield Right, going to talk uh, Gaelic games and uh, Cork's Rory Dean is eager to be back playing at matches again. The Bantry Blues man was speaking to Oshin Langan at the announcement of Sports Direct's new five-year sponsorship of Cork GA. He spoke of his hopes for 2021 and the Rebel surprise went over Kerry, the equally surprising loss to Tipperary in the Munster Championship. Well, joined now by Cork senior footballer Rory Dean uh, following the announcement of Sports Direct's new five-year sponsorship deal with Cork GAA uh, that will see Sports Direct support the men's senior, under 20 and minor teams in both codes and provide a new personalised boot partnership for the senior panels. The new Cork GAA jersey was also launched today. That's Thursday, just in case you're listening to this a few days after the fact, and celebrates the three core pillars of clubs, schools and county that together form the foundation of Cork GAA. The newly launched jersey is now available exclusively through Sports Direct Ireland online. Uh, You can get that on sportsdirect.com until stores across the country reopen. Rory, um, 
I suppose it's exciting to have some news at this time because for players and fans, it's it's quiet, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's quiet um, given the circumstances at the moment in communities. But look, this is a positive development for Cork GA and hopefully it'll set a structure in place to, to keep our teams moving forward. How are you handling the lockdown and the fact that you can't get together and train and play matches and do all the things that you want to be doing as an inter-county footballer? I suppose looking back to the last level five in September and thinking back to the, the positive times people had as, as, as a group um, training and, and getting matches in and seeing what that meant to people as those games were going on. It is challenging at the moment, but I suppose we're all playing our part by just doing our individual training sessions and being ready for when we do get the call to put back on the red jersey that, that we're all in the best condition we can be and making sure that we're ready to go when that time does come. How do you find the individual training? What do you get up to? How do you try and keep yourself ticking over because it must be difficult when you know you can't go to a pitch you can't go to uh, a gym it, it must be tough um, it is challenging but I think most people kind of during March, April put together their own stuff so in my garage here I have a home gym kind of set up so I'm lucky in the sense that I have that and look we're lucky I'm living in Bantry in, in the countryside kind of so within our five kilometre radius we have a lot of access to, to different things we can do to get running in parks and, and, and areas green areas that we can get a bit of training done so I suppose look we're trying to individually keep on top of it but it is very challenging like it's monotonous at times but you know everyone else is in the same boat and you're just trying to try try keep your best to, to keep going and and be as I said in the best condition you can be when we get back on the green grass yeah. and look and like all inter-county footballers you are not just an inter-county footballer you have a job and you have a life like everyone else and you're a teacher is that kind of keeping you occupied at the moment because you know in the last while I guess like so many other people you've had to change everything about what you do and how you do it yeah, I suppose like most teachers probably didn't see the transition too bad. I think we all learned from March, April, May last year quite well. But um, as a PE teacher, I'm normally used to being up and active, whereas now you're kind of sitting down in front of a screen much more. And I, I like I'm feeling the effects of that in my body that I'm not moving as much as I used to be and trying to adjust our lifestyles to that. And I think some of the kids have made some very good comments during school time. Like when you're on the computers, it's like you're in school 24-7 now because when you're working and learning from home, it's, there's no separation between your personal and your school life anymore and it's challenging to get the balance and I'm sure everyone that's faced with the situation of working from home at the moment feels the same but look we're all playing our part as I said and we'll try to keep that going I guess your advice to people would be try and get up and move as much as they can stay active and that's advice that by the sounds of it you're trying to listen to yourself and, and, and use yourself yeah and look it is very challenging as I said like I'm not doing it myself there's days there that I said to myself oh I'll go away at lunchtime there now and go for a walk and the next thing it's five six o'clock and it's dinner time to, to begin prepping that and you lose track of your day very very quickly but I suppose if we're conscious and can put a plan in place for the following day so we're 24 hours ahead generally you can stick to your routine then yeah normally at this time of year you'd have played the McGrath Cup you'd be into league you'd be kind of maybe already casting half an eye towards championship but it's different this time around and you have more time to think and more time to maybe look ahead and, and, and look back and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing maybe a good thing when you think of the Kerry team maybe a or Kerry win I should say and a bad thing when you think of the tip loss yeah so I suppose look everything was up and down last year for, for everybody in their personal lives but for us in our sporting lives specifically like we had I suppose huge satisfaction with getting over the line um, that brought huge positivity to the whole county of Cork after beating Kerry but look we saw very quickly that we had a setback a couple of weeks later against Tip and it's not long knocking you back on your backside again but look we've we've reviewed both games we've moved on for them and hopefully they'll lead to positive performances again in 2021. 
what are the main things you took from the Kerry game and what are the main things you took from the Tipperary game? And are those things kind of different? Yeah, they're, they're polar opposites, if I'm to be perfectly honest. So I suppose we showed huge composure and, and confidence in our ability in the Kerry game. And like we, we had a plan, we went out, we executed it for a full 90 minutes. Um, we didn't deviate from it. And then you could actually go the complete opposite. It just fell apart completely against Tipperary. And there were hard questions asked of our players. We've asked hard questions of ourselves. Um, management have clearly done the same. And look, we're not doing that to be hard on ourselves. We're doing it to develop and move on. Like this is a Cork team that's that's moving in the right direction and that's what we want to get. There's nothing personal in it. No one would doubt to have a bad game on that day, but we're looking at using it to shape us positively going forward. Is it about using the ball smarter than you did in the Tipperary game? Is it about kind of doing that on a consistent level? Is that the key? 100%. Like, look, it comes down to basics at the end of the day. Um, they, they beat us in individual and team battles. Um, we need to look at it, why it happened, we've done so, and hopefully we can use that information now to, to shape our performances, as you said, more consistently in 2021. I think it's fair to say you're going into 2021 with a positive mindset. I mean, if, if you beat Kerry in a championship game, and I know you were beaten by Tip, and in fairness to you, you've said that on the day they were the better team, but if you've beaten Kerry in the championship, then you know you're not far off the top or you're, getting, you're going the right way. And then... You add in as well the fact that you got out of Division 3. You know, that's positive as well. Yeah, and look, these are all stepping stones along our journey. And collectively as a group, we have our vision and we know what we're about. And like life, you're going to face setbacks in sport as well. And it's how you deal with those setbacks are going to shape you. It's not about sitting on the couch here now and feeling sorry for ourselves. We can take the positives and bring them forward into 21. But we can also take the negatives and use them and try to turn them into positives. And that's what's going to make us a better team. So hopefully we can make that happen. A potential negative is a proposed ban for Ronan and the loss of um, the, the, the home advantage for league games. What have you made of that and what's your reaction to it? Yeah, to be honest, that's not something that I'm, I'm dealing with really at the moment. And it's an ongoing process that the county board are looking into. So I won't make a comment on it. It's, it's in their hands kind of what to do with that situation. I think that's fair enough. Um, are you a man that watches an awful lot of football, even that you're not involved in? I know that some players, they have no interest in watching other football. But do you like watch every game that's on or what do you, what's your... Uh, Generally, it's I'm I'm mixed about this, right? I do enjoy watching it, obviously, as I enjoy playing it. But sometimes I feel if you're in the tick of it and really, really heavy into a season, it's nice to actually look outside your sport too. So I generally watch a lot of basketball um, on TV where I can. Now, obviously, different times on looking into America, but where you can, I like looking back on previous games and seeing there their skills and what they bring. Like, and I do think it crosses over to football a bit. But I wouldn't say I don't watch it, but. When I'm in the tick of it myself, I feel we do a bit of analysis here and there and other teams as well. So it is important to switch off and focus on other aspects of life too. As always, when one year turns to another, there's a change in the playing staff. Tom Clancy uh, of Formoy has retired. How big a loss is that? Well, to be honest, like Tom Cat has been with us since 2013 before I even started and look he's a great guy um, his attitude was phenomenal in the Cork jersey and he'd have done anything for any individual on the team um, on or off the pitch and the qualities he brought as a player were fantastic but more so as a person like he was just a very good individual to have in our setup, and he's not going to be replaced that easy um, if at all but look he was a credit to the Cork jersey and I was privileged to play alongside him for, for the years he was involved 
and it, will his presence be missed in the dressing room? Is that nearly as big a loss as missing him on the field? Look, I suppose it is obviously going to be missed, right? And, and it is hard to replace, fellas. But you're always looking at trying to bring people along as you're there. And I think Tom has done a good job at that. Like, he's such a good guy. He'd want to develop every player to become better on and off the field, as I mentioned. But as well as that, like, you'd hope that you're having strength and depth in panels at this stage that, that you'll have people that will slot in. And I think the management have done a, a good job at getting continuity that if someone to the standard of Tom Clancy does leave, that someone is ready to slot in in his place as well. But look, he will be missed. Um, he was a brilliant character to have in the panel. And like to be honest, I thank him for, for everything he's done for Cork GA. It's been really positive on his behalf. Rory, just before I let you go, I imagine you just cannot wait to get back and playing matches. Uh, yeah, look, the reason we all play football from six years to 10 years of age up until we finish is we want to play games. Um, as I mentioned at the start, it's about look bringing a little bit of joy to people's lives again we saw what football did before Christmas to people um, it created a little bit of a buzz it was something for people to do especially in the, the bleak winter months and look hopefully that will continue and I know club games as well as county games were streamed more this year and I think it's something that, that will continue into 2021 and for those that are at home or abroad or sick or laid up and can't go to matches that it'll be a positive development that they can get to see the game that they love on TV too Rory, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Uh, Rory Dean joining us following the announcement of Sports Direct's new five-year sponsorship deal with Cork GA. That will see uh, Sports Direct support the men's senior, under 20 and minor teams in both codes and provide a new personalised boot partnership for the senior panels. Uh, the new Cork GAA jersey was also launched and celebrates the three core pillars of clubs, schools and county that together form the foundation of Cork GAA. The newly launched jersey is now available exclusively through Sports Direct Ireland Online. That's sportsdirect.com until stores across the country reopen. Rory, thanks for joining us. No problem. Yeah, really interesting chat there with Rory Dean and uh, Oshin Langan uh, following that announcement earlier on in the week. All right, still to come on the show, Matt. It's been such a great day of sport already, and it, it certainly is not over. All eyes in the Super Bowl kicking off at half 11 Irish time. We're talking to one of the best head coaches in the country, if not the best. Alan Amasney of the Cork Admirals joins us next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. At Specsavers, our stores are still open. So if you need a checkup or your hearing or sight isn't quite right, please get in contact. We're doing everything to make sure your safety comes first. From limiting the people in store to disinfecting glasses and test equipment, we'll be wearing protective gear too. So if you can't see our friendly faces behind our masks, <laughs> we promise they're still there. Book an appointment online or call your nearest Specsaver store. Rebels Bounty, a new member's draw from the GAA, giving you the chance to win cash prizes every month, including a bumper prize of €100,000 for one lucky winner. With a record half a million in prizes to be won, sign up today for just €100. Your membership will benefit local clubs and the development of county teams. Become a member through your local club or gaacork.ie slash rebelsbounty. Terms and conditions apply. In this Monday's Irish Examiner... One year on from election 2020, we look back at the political tsunami it unleashed and ask whether it's time to get ready for Taoiseach Mary Lou. In sport, our squad of experts analyse an action-packed weekend. Simon Lewis and Donal Lenehan review Ireland's Six Nations opener against Wales. And can Man City extinguish Liverpool's title hopes? Only in this Monday's Irish Examiner. Get the Irish Examiner delivered free to your door. Sign up at newsdelivery.ie. 
Hi, I'm Connor, the brand new host of Green on Red. Join me for my very first show Sunday from 7 for the very best in Irish music. From established acts to up and coming artists with a focus on the amazing music coming straight out of Cork. Green on Red, Sundays from 7 on Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Rory here on the bench on till 7pm. Full-time report from Anfield. Shane Pennington. Liverpool 1, Manchester City 4 and Pep Guardiola finally has a winner Anfield to his name as his side moved 5 points clear at the top and more importantly maybe created a 10 point gap between his side and the champions Ilkay Gundogan missed the first half penalty before he eventually put his side in front Mo Salah then equalised for Liverpool from the penalty spot before Gundogan and then Sterling both profited from mistakes from Alisson in the Liverpool goal. Phil Foden finished off a near perfect afternoon for the visitors smashing home a fourth from 20 yards out. Liverpool 1, Manchester City 4. Teams are in for Sheffield United and Chelsea, Dave Easton. Three changes for Chelsea who can go fifth with a win here at Bramall Lane this evening. Thiago Silva has a thigh strain and just Christensen comes in for him. Ben Chilwell comes in for Marcus Alonso on the left. Olivier Giroud starts up front for Callum Hudson-Odoi, the Frenchman's 250th Premier League appearance. Four changes for Sheffield United and Padu can't face his parent club Chelsea so Keane Bryan comes in in the centre of defence. Also out Baldock, Sharp and McGoldrick. In come Max Lowe and Oliver's Burke and McBurney. A point for the Blades gets them off the bottom of the Premier League. The Sheffield United at Bramall Lane is Sheffield United against Chelsea. Okay, Super Bowl 55 tonight. The 14 and 2 Kansas City Chiefs going up against the 11 and 5 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For more on it, joined by our good friend, one of the finest football minds in this country, the head coach of the Cork Admirals, Alan Lamasney. Alan, how are you, sir? I'm good, Rory. How are you keeping? I'm good, boy. I'm good. Um, great to talk to you. We'll talk about the Admirals in a bit. First off, yeah. just before we talk about the Super Bowl, Alan, um, overall, um, the NFL season um, uh, and COVID, how did it affect the season? And I suppose what impact, I suppose, did it have uh, on this current year? Yeah, it has been a, a, obviously a year like one and no other because of the, of the fact that in the NFL, uh, they have to, you know, they love practice and, and preparing for things. So to have the preseason taken away from them, to have, you know, not being able to get meetings together before the season, I suppose it, it took um, it took the, everybody down a level, I suppose, to a certain extent. Um, but to be fair, you know, they managed, there were some games rescheduled to play a bit later, but they did, they put a big effort um, into making sure all the games were played and I think to be honest they, they've scored more points I think this year than ever before so it has certainly been um, a good season even with all of the COVID going on It's been strange watching games though with no fans in the grounds especially like you know on big third downs when you expect the home crowd to be on top of the opposing quarterback making all that noise Yeah it is it is very strange and especially when you see the cardboard cutouts in the, in the stands <laughs> it looks very weird Um it is actually, from from a, a fan point of view, it's actually quite interesting because you can actually hear or know quite a lot of what's been said on the field. Mm. Um, uh, so, it, you know, from an inside point of view, you get to hear a lot of the calls and a lot of the, you know, the timing and stuff that's going on. But I think it definitely took home field advantage away for for a, a lot of teams. And even there in um, in Green Bay, when Tampa and Green Bay, like they had some few thousand in Green yeah. Bay, but like you would have thought going to Green Bay in January was going to be a big problem, but uh, having no crowd there certainly uh, was a, a great advantage, I think, for the Bucks in the end. 
And just looking at the two teams in tonight's Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously going for back-to-back titles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sure many people would have expected them to be in the Super Bowl uh, this time last year. No, um, I mean, last year they they actually had a very good quarterback in Jameis Winston. The problem was he threw loads of touchdowns, but he also threw quite a few interceptions. So he took, I mean, he kind of, what advantage he gave them, he didn't took away. So they, they they certainly made a huge splash when they signed Tom Brady. And by having Tom Brady on your team, then other people want to be there as well. So you then got Rob Gronkowski and you got a few more fellas that went that went, you know, Antonio Brown and all they came along and suddenly you went from a, a nearly there team to a team that is going, Oh, okay. And again, as we said earlier, they didn't have a preseason to gel and that showed in their first few games. Um, but once they started rolling there in the latter part of the season, you could certainly see that the, you know they're becoming a formidable force as a, as a team. To be fair to them, yeah, because um, obviously their record during the season, like they got them to the wild card. I mean, like they're the first wild card team to appear in the the, the Super Bowl in eleven years, I think. And um, so, is yes. it just is yeah. it just Brady kind of just turned it on in, in the closing parts of the season as he does, or did the whole team just start to gel? Or what was it? I, I think I think the whole team has started to gel. I mean, you know. To, from a, for a professional quarterback to, to change teams, there's a. I mean, he obviously has to know everything that's going on. He has to learn a lot of terminology. He needs to know what the players are. But he also then needs to get a feel for the guys he's playing with. In you know, at what point will that receiver be open compared to who the guys are used to playing with? Um. So like, it does. It takes time. And to be honest, to have got where they are after, you know that little amount of time. I mean, sometimes this can take two seasons, three seasons for a quarterback to gel with a new team. Um, it just shows how, how, obviously, how driven and how, how good Brady is. I mean, he's, he's playing his 10th Super Bowl, which is just ridiculous, to be honest. 43 years no, of age as well. He's an absolute, like, yeah. physical specimen at that age, which is almost unheard of. I mean, like, what's his secret? What's he been doing to keep him in the game this um, time? He he has. I mean, look. I don't think there's anyone as dedicated to keeping their body, you know, in the right place as he is. I mean, he trains, he trains, he trains, and then he trains some more. Uh, he's like at 43, when all other quarterbacks, the you know, are having trouble throwing the deep ball, Brady's still able to go down the field with the ball. I mean, in the the playoff game there against the Packers, just for the second, just at the end of the first half. He threw. I was at a thirty-nine or forty-yard pass down the sideline to, um, to you know, to put it essentially a dagger in in the in the hearts of the Packers just for half time, which really they didn't come back from. Um, so you know, well, obviously, you know, we don't know what he what his diet is, but I would imagine there is there there can't be too many sweets and cakes in there. Anyway. It's, not, it's, it's not like our diet anyway, Alan. I can tell you that for a fact. No, no, definitely not. But uh, I suppose as well for a forty three year old quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, the offensive line in front of him must be top notch. Yeah, yeah, he has a very good line, um, and that is a huge part of it because. You know, Brady's never and never has been a scrambling quarterback. I mean, he can get out of the pocket, but he's not a guy that will extend the play the way Aaron Rodgers does or the way Patrick Mahomes does. So, you know, I suppose that one of the keys to his longevity is to get the ball out of his hands fast. And, you know, if you get rid of the ball within, uh, you know, a, a, a quick look, snap, look, pass, then there's a good chance you're not going to take as many hits. Uh, and then when you put a good defense or good offensive line in front of you, 
um, that all combines into what's happening and you tend to, to get completions and touchdowns and points scored from that. The other side then, the Kansas City Chiefs um, favourites for tonight's game, coached by Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback, um, MVP in waiting or um, Hall of Famer in waiting, I guess. I mean, like they're a very exciting team. Yeah, I mean, they, they are looking to become the first repeat champion since the Patriots in over 3 and 4. Um, like, Patrick Mahomes, again, has had a stellar season. I mean, he threw uh, 38 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Um, I think what he brings to the table is his ability to extend plays. He gets outside the pocket. He can do more damage nearly than he would if he was standing there with plenty of time. Um, Andy Reid is a fantastic coach. Um, this is he. There's only been two teams have gone to the championship game three years in a row, and he's been the head coach of both. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, and then you have their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, who is another uh, ex-NFL guy. Uh, he was a player. Uh, and I think when you combine that, plus the talent that Mahomes has around him, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, um, and then you put in, the, I mean, they have actually some very good running backs in Edward Hilaire and Darrell Williams. And you throw all that together and they are... Um, they are an offensive juggernaut, really, is what you would put, you would put them. You know, um, no, their defense isn't bad either, to be fair. Um, you know, they have a very strong defense. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, like, both defenses are pretty strong. Uh, I think Kansas City's defensive secondary probably shaded a bit, to be fair. Tonight, Alan, the, the Chiefs are favoured by three, so that suggests it's going to be a, a tight game. How do you see it going? Will it be, will it be uh, low scoring or is it going to be uh, a shooter? How do you think it's going to go? I think it's one of those things where <clears throat> um, if Tampa Bay are, are to win, I think they need to avoid a shooter with the, with the Chiefs because uh, I think the Chiefs just have a, small, a, a, bit, a bit of an edge on the offensive side. Um, I think if they ran the ball, they have a very good run game. If they ran the ball and prolong the drives, via turnovers, uh, and get a bit of pressure on Mahomes, they have a good chance. Um, if the Chiefs can stop the run early and start scoring early, get a bit of pressure on Tom and get a few turnovers, then um, I think the Chiefs could beat him by two scores. I still think the Chiefs will win by one score. Yeah, looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I think it, it's going to be a very good game. Um, as you mentioned earlier, home field advantage hasn't really counted for much given the COVID season. It's the first time in Super Bowl history that a home um, a team has had home field advantage. But does, do you feel it makes a difference in the Super Bowl situation, or is it just going to be another game? I, I think actually it would have made a difference if it wasn't for COVID, because um, they they're still restricted to what they can do movements wise anyway. So the Chiefs are only, I think the Chiefs only arrived um, yesterday. So they they practice their home. They come down. There's no media um, crowds that they usually have to deal with. They did all of that on, on Zoom and stuff. So there's a lot of distractions taken away. Um, I think the fact that the Chiefs were there last year as well makes it obviously a bit easier for them, which all of that, I think, negates the whole object of home field advantage for the Bucs. Uh, they're actually not even the box have the the pirate ship that fires the cannons when they score, and that won't be, be allowed apparently yeah. until unless they win the game. So again, you know, I, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference to be honest. All right, you're going by you're going for the Chiefs so by a score tonight. 
I, I'm going. I'm going 38-31 to the Chiefs. Oh, that sounds like a, it'll be a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping so. Yeah, fingers crossed. Anyway. Um, Talk to me about the Admirals. Obviously, last season, almost a, a complete wipeout because of COVID. Uh, fingers crossed, you get to play some football this year. Yeah, um, we were, uh, what was it, three days from our first game, I think, when, when mm. the lockdown came back in March, uh, which was very disappointing, and then they cancelled our senior season. Um, then after the lockdown, we got to go ahead to play the youth season. So we got the youths back. We were able to do training with the youths. And then just before the youth season start, um there was another lockdown and that got cancelled. So we've had no football. Um, it's been, uh, you know, it's very strange to, to go out this length of time without being involved in games and stuff. Uh, we're hoping that, uh, you know, once we get, to, if, if things progress nicely and with vaccines and stuff, that the, the provisional idea is that we'd hopefully be able to maybe play a few games from June on mm-hmm. uh, if all goes well. Yeah. Um, so you know, if if that happens, then it would be great because at least we get some football. And I don't think we will get a full season from a you know a senior's point of view in. But yeah. um, you know, even if you got to play four or six games to get some football, in it would be great. Yeah, it must so, be very frustrating you know, we, for we them. Would be, yeah, it must be very frustrating for the lads, I suppose. I mean, like that close bond that you get by being in a dressing room and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just been, yeah, it's been I ripped mean, away from them. Yeah, we had been back training since the start of January. You know, we had done the, the the wet and the cold and all of that in mm. training as you as you do in that time of the year. Um, game plan was ready, and and then you know, even if you'd got to play maybe one game, it mightn't have been as bad. But to have literally the whole season pulled off from one day, it was it was really disappointing. Yeah. Um, and as I said, the same for the youths because they had actually done the same level of training, and uh, you know, have their season pulled off from one day. But look, like. As soon as we get to go ahead to go back training, we're hopefully going to get these seniors and the youths on, on different nights going training so that, you know, we, we get our youth program because we've invested an awful lot in our youth program yeah. over the last few years in getting lads from 15 to 18 involved in sport in, in American football and to get them to, to, you know, to be able to get to a point where they can jump into the senior squad. So we had, uh, we had a huge turnout this year for the youths. We had 38 guys uh, in the U team this year, which is unbelievable, and mm. um, so we're hoping again to get that ball rolling, and then obviously that that pays dividends then in the senior team in a few years' time. Mm. Have you been doing? So Zoom? Have you been hopefully, doing, have you been doing Zoom sessions and stuff like that? I suppose there's no replacement uh, for being yeah, in the same room together. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's different. Uh, you know, I suppose you know when they keep moving the goalposts, when you're going to actually get going again, it's difficult as well because you're you're trying to make plans the next thing. That's stopped, and next thing you make plans, and it stopped again. But ah, look, we're getting there. Um, you know, we 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 be we were hoping that once we do get to go ahead, that we we'll, we we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get training and get up to speed fairly sharpish. Um, obviously, the other side of things then is that you know, and lots, uh, nearly every club is finding the same problem. Whereas you're not generating any fundraising, you're yeah. not you're not getting any traffic that way. So, you know. We have actually, uh, there is a Super Bowl raffle on our Facebook page, which has some great prizes in it, which is in lieu of all the Super Bowl parties. It's been run in conjunction with the league, with all the teams. So if anyone wants to go on to uh, the Admiral's uh, Facebook page, there's a link there to, the, to buy tickets for the raffle. And as I said, some great page, uh, prizes in it. And it does, obviously, it helps support the clubs, you know, in, in trying to pay all the, the necessary bits and pieces because mm-hmm. we still have to pay insurance and all of that as well. So... You know, if, uh, 
so yeah hopefully we'll get the chance to get back going again soon <laughs> fingers crossed and then to check out that uh, competition on the Admirals yeah. Facebook page and thanks for talking to us hopefully we'll be talking to you again later on in the year about the Admirals but uh, until then uh, enjoy the game tonight and we'll chat you soon Rory thank, yeah, thanks very much Rory always a pleasure take thank care you. Thank you, Alan. Always great to talk to our good friend Alan Lamastney of the Cork Admirals uh, ahead of the uh, Super Bowl. It's become a tradition now when we get the, the Admirals on uh, to look ahead to, to the Super Bowl. And so it was great to, to chat to Alan. Fingers crossed, as I said, the Admirals will get to play some football this year. All right, uh, it's all about Tom Brady tonight, um, appearing in his 10th Super Bowl, 43 years of age, looks ageless, um, whatever he is doing, I need to get that secret because to be in a Super Bowl at 43 years of age and performing the way he is is absolutely sensational. Uh, this is Brady looking ahead uh, to tonight's game. You know, it's it's been a, um, you know, you obviously anytime you change teams, you don't know how it's going to go, but I think there's been incredible support that I've had from, uh, you know, all the you know, with the team I used to play for, all all the New England fans, and um, you know, I still obviously have a great affection for New England. And you know, I, I said the other day, my kids were born in Boston, so I mean, I have a lot of love for Boston and all of New England, and the incredible support over the years. Um, you know, again, it was an amazing two decades of my life, and you know, I'll always have a presence there. I have a lot of friends there. Um, it's just really cool to be able to, you know have that experience in my life. And then again, have my football journey, take me to somewhere else and then, you know, come down here and play for a different team, but still have incredible support. And even, you know, all the guys I used to play with in new England, I have still, I have a lot of friends. I've heard from so many of my teammates, so many, so many of my old coaches that, you know, are wishing me luck. So it's been really cool. Tom, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announcement is going to be coming Saturday night. Peyton is kind of uh, expected to be in that class as a first ballot. How has he helped maybe revolutionize the quarterback position in the NFL? Well, Peyton was uh, someone that I always just uh, admired as a quarterback, as a as a um, the leader of a team. And uh, Peyton and I are right around the same age. He's a few years older than me, but you know, I got, I always looked up to Peyton because he was a little older than me and he was always doing things the right way. His team was always in it. You know, I know our teams had a rivalry against one another, but when you went against a Peyton Manning led team, you were going as, going against essentially the, be, the other best team in the league. And, um, it's no real surprise that, you know, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, an amazing player. Uh, he took so much on. I think he, you know, like any, I think great quarterback, you it's, there's a lot of responsibility that you take on, you know, you want to make sure, you know, everything's a reflection of how you see the game and you want to make sure everyone's on the same page. And when you, when everyone's seeing it through the same set of eyes, it's, it's a great way to play football and, you know, working with the coaching staff, because ultimately you're the player on the field, you know, it's, there's no perfect play that can always be called for every, you know, defense and the quarterback, they have to, you know, the coaches have to trust the quarterback to get it right. And I think a guy like Peyton, the coaches, you know, when I think of Coach Moore and Coach Clyde that were here working with Peyton, Coach Dungy, they had so much trust in Peyton to get things right. And uh, he always did. So then he went on to Denver, had a great career there. And, um, you know, I had a chance to know him for, I don't know, a long time, 20 plus years. And uh, nothing surprises me about him and his accomplishments. He's a tremendous player. Um, we always keep in touch. Uh, he's always wishing me. Uh, well wishes and so forth and um, you know really happy for him 
most of the people just see the rings and feel can see how mentally strong you have to be so you can achieve the you know, greater status you have. Is there any turning moment in your career, like when a superhero gets his powers, you know, that you saw something clicking and you thought, no, you know, I, I'm a different person. You know, perhaps the final drive of Super Bowl 36, I don't know. And a quick follow-up, could you say hi to your many, many fans in Brazil? I don't know how many Portuguese words you, you know, no, and can say, but they will be so happy. My Portuguese, uh, let me say this. My son, who's 10, his Portuguese is amazing. My eight-year-old daughter is fluent in Portuguese. And unfortunately, their dad is way behind in, uh, in his understanding of how to speak the language. But I can usually understand a lot of things. My wife will say, Papai no sabe nada, um, which means daddy doesn't know anything. Um, I usually get that a lot in the house. So, you know, I know when they're speaking Portuguese, kind of what they're saying, even if they're, you know, taking shots at their dad. So they're very, um, sometimes what I do use my Portuguese words, my daughter will be like, daddy, you spoke Portuguese, you know, which is, uh, which is pretty great. So she's very fluent. And then as far as I think my, um, you know, uh, I would say, becoming an NFL player and then transitioning to a starter and then someone who was, um, you know, kind of a QB one. I think that happened over a period of time. And um, I, I started in college. I went to a big college. It was a lot of expectation at that big college and, um, you know, got to the pros and wanted to be a, a consistent, dependable player. And I think every year just tried to improve my game a little bit and um, going to have to keep improving it. And as long as I'm playing, I, I want to improve and get better. And I think next year is going to be a lot better than this year. You know, I feel like I'll be in a much better place mentally. Um, I'm going to train a lot better this year. Physically, next year I'll be in a better place. So um, I know as soon as this game ends, we're on the next season. So, you know, we'll get ready for this season and then start thinking about next year. That's Tom Brady, 43 years of age, in his 10th Super Bowl, giving us all hope uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest about it, but a half-eleven kickoff tonight. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs slightly favoured, but looking forward to a good game for Super Bowl 55. Tonight should be an absolute cracker, as uh, Alan Lamastny, the Cork Admirals head coach, said in our preview, and he's going for a high-scoring game as well, so should be a good one tonight. Unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to uh, play Aaron Hill tonight. Uh, we a conversation recorded with Aaron about his snooker career but we'll push that to next weekend's show so apologies to Aaron also next weekend we're going to be talking to uh, Cork City's uh, Stephen Beatty about signing back for the club uh, and an exciting 2021 ahead even in the first division first division fixtures actually released at one o'clock tomorrow so it'd be fantastic for Cork football to get Cork City and Cove Ramblers on opening day imagine the excitement of that uh, so one o'clock tomorrow for the fixtures and of course we'll have a reaction from Ireland and France next weekend to pick previews on Saturday and Moss Finn our old friend will be joining us on Sunday to pick bones of hopefully what would be an Ireland win but a lot of work to do for Ireland after today's defeat in Cardiff if you missed the show our podcast is online it'll be online shortly you can get that on redfm.ie redextra.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts from that's it from us for this evening thank you very much indeed for tuning our way Green on Red is up next three hours of the best Irish music coming your way with Conor Halpin in the hot seat tonight very very best of luck to him as he takes over green on red tonight so cracking couple of hours ahead tonight so stick with us on Cork's Red FM I'll talk to you again next weekend folks enjoy the rest of your Sunday night and green on red's next The Big Red Vent Come on
Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.